3: Look at this big sills baby national football show happy friday to you a little bit of a happy hour today we're only going three to five how you doing big sills is gonna get the corona on at around 5 p.m eastern time so you better hit the like button and you better get your spins in right now by the way four thirty. legendary bird keith jackson or excuse me keith byers Keith Jackson will show up on Monday along with Gary Cobb, but Keith Byers today will jump aboard with us, and we will talk with him, the legendary Philadelphia Eagle, and get his spin on what he's seeing right now with the birds and what they're doing. So can't wait to talk to Keith Byers. That'll be 4.30 Eastern time. So mark it down. Get yourselves ready. Maybe if you have a question, hey, maybe we'll throw it at him. I think, and by the way, I will bring it up, and I've said this before, Keith Byers should have won the 1984 Heisman Trophy over Doug Flutie. When he was at Ohio State, and I guarantee you, he probably thinks that as well. So we'll have a lot of fun with him. He was boys with Jerome Brown as well, all those guys. Keith Jackson, Seth, all them guys, man. That gang green team and that Buddy Ryan team, folks, to this day, will go down, in my opinion, as my favorite Philadelphia Eagles and all the players that were on those teams, man. So we'll have some fun in hour number two. We're only going two hours today, three to five. So please, once again, get yourself in there. Ernest, what's up? How you guys doing? Oh, Chris, the Hail Mary against us, in my opinion, gave Flutie, the Heisman Trophy over Keith. I'm not, I am I will never be changed off of that. Him throwing that pass against us with no time on the clock. Got Doug Flutie the Heisman Trophy. Okay? It totally get, got it for him. Hey, Bernie Kosar in that game. Bernie had like 485 yards passing also. It was a back and forth. It was crazy. So again, we'll have Keith Byers on with us. That'll be an hour number two. Look, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but I saw what happened last night to the Phillies. You're up 7-1 going into the ninth, and you drop a game to the New York Mets the way you did last night. You're now 11-5 on the season. Joe Girardi won't make it through May. No way. No way. <laughs> Absolutely no way will he make it through May. It's just not happening. That I mean it's chaos. And when you lose, that may be one of the worst losses in Philadelphia Philly history, in what we saw last night. I kind of had the game tuned on. I'm watching, I'm like, oh, you're kidding, right? And you know, sometimes, you know, you see teams make these comes at comebacks, but not seven one and you drop it. Girardi's not gonna survive that. Okay. He's just not going to. Earlier, I was watching something that I thought I would never see. We're gonna So it's like, we're going to get into football here in a minute. The rookies reported, they were talking to the media today, the Eagle guys, so much news in the NFL, college football. We got a bunch of stuff, but let me say this to you. Who's the most entertaining athlete you think right now to watch in sports? Who would that be? Give me your top two. Who are your... Two most entertaining athletes to watch today. Tell me who they would be. Guys that you would pay and open up your wallet to go watch and play. Who would it be? Let me think. NFL. Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, John Morant. Look at what you guys, I I guarantee you, you're not going to land on the guy that I'm going to talk about here in a minute. Morant, Mahomes, Davey boy, I really like those. John Morant's a stud, isn't he? He looks like he has it all too. Okay, right? John Morant, man. He's he's very entertaining. Jeremiah says Mahomes. Judge Mahomes. Judge is some ball player, man, isn't he? Yankees got themselves, as of right now, Morant, Tatum. Ernest, I like that. Look at you guys with tennis and Brady. I like it. All right. Morgan and Morgan, thank you for the people. (laughs) Hey. Running back for the Titans. Okay, Joe. All right, let me stop you guys. So I watched something yesterday that I, I thought about for a second, and I said, it must have been what it was like when you watched Babe Ruth. I saw Shohei Otani go into Fenway Park, get a win as a pitcher, 11 strikeouts, get the game-winning RBI. Last year, he was a home-run monster. Shohei Ohtani is must-see television, 100 miles an hour. This guy throws the baseball 100 miles an hour. This guy hits home runs like he's Ruth. He is a modern-day Babe Ruth. I'm watching this performance, and he was so stoked to be on the hill at Fenway. The same ballpark that Ruth did the same thing in. Shohei Otani's a special athlete. I agree, Joe. I've never... It's such a different skill set. Watching a ace and then watching one of the top home run hitters. It's Babe Ruth in your lifetime. I've never seen anything like it. I've never in my life... It's one thing to be an all-star like Pete Rose was at third base, left field, first base, what have you. It's another thing to be an all-star pitcher and a superstar hitter. I have – I mean, hey, the Eagles should ask him if he wants to be or given a tryout to be the quarterback of the team. This guy is something – I've never seen anybody in sports like it. Shit, Mike Trout's on that team. Mike Trout's on that team, and Mike Trout's an afterthought now, and Mike Trout is a modern-day Mickey Mantle. He's a modern-day Mickey Mantle. And we're sitting here going like this, because you're not sure. And by the way, that idiot Stephen A. Smith says that, Shohei Otani can never be the face of baseball because he was born in Japan. What's that got to do with what you saw yesterday? I don't give a shit if he's born on the moon. That is so special, man. That guy goes and gets 11 strikeouts, throws the baseball 100 miles an hour, gets a win, and gets the game-winning RBI. Dude, that guy is something else. I mean, my wife is going like this. I want to buy a Shohei Otani jersey. Chris, he's better than Bo Jackson. This guy does two different things. He's an ace pitcher and he's the ace home run hitter. We've never seen anything like that. It would be the equivalent, watch this, of Tom Brady being Ray Lewis in football and Tom Brady on the offensive side. It would, it would be like that. It would be like Brady being Brady, but Brady's also the best linebacker in the National Football League. Completely different skill set. Oh, Stephen, I thought it was the biggest racist comment ever made at ESPN, but you know what? You know, he, he'll get away with it because he's Stephen A. Smith, and ESPN doesn't care about that kind of stuff. They don't care. They just don't. Hey, Paul, what Paul says something interesting. Paul goes like this. You still watch baseball? No, I watch Shohei Otani. No, no. I watch Shohei Otani. I watch people that bring me to the television set and make me do this. Paul, watch this appointment setting. You know what appointment setting is? It's what you guys do every day for me here. And I'm so grateful. Appointment setting, you're here. That's appointment setting. When Shohei Otani plays, I want to watch it. When Jalen Hurts plays, I want to watch it. A.J. Brown? Dude. I could go on and on about him. Bonds is the greatest baseball player in my lifetime. Okay? Bonds. Bonds. And I don't care what you say. Eight gold gloves. Owns the single season record for home runs and career number. The guy was insane to watch. I covered him. I did the pre and post game for the San Francisco Giants. Never seen anything like it. 500 plus stolen bases. Over 700 home runs. It's insanity. But this guy here might be the best complete player I've ever seen. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. Anybody watch the um, the interviews today with the Eagle rookies? Any of you guys watch that? Jordan Davis is a monster, man. He's sitting there with this white T-shirt on, man. He's answering questions. Oh, such a humble guy, too. You can just see he comes from a great program. He's prepared to be in the moment. He's prepared to be a first-rounder. He he was throwing accolades at N'Kobe Dean. I loved everything. All the rookies said, actually. They were well schooled, well schooled, understood the moment, understood they're at a huge franchise, understood. Get this. Do you know what the most impressive thing about the rookies were today? Do you know what they were? They knew they were in Philly. And what I mean by that is don't say any dumb dumb. Don't make a bad impression. You know, be humble get an opportunity to play for the birds you should sit there and take that opportunity and you should run with it there's no need to be a toolbox when you're being asked the questions i heard john McMullen asking questions too i thought it was great the whole thing yeah i thought the tight end everybody man they did a perfect job nothing groundbreaking you don't want to do anything groundbreaking you want to do everything groundbreaking in september not now you want you you I thought it was great they really drafted what it seems is really a bunch of good smart kids who understand who they are Andrew appreciate you coming aboard yeah Chris they knew it was a big stage talking to the Philadelphia sports fans hey you know what I did I even jumped on Facebook and I was talking about the guys I was impressed. I loved listening to them. All of them. Every single one of them, I listened to them. I really loved it. And by the way, I'll say it again, man. Jordan Davis, man, he is a horse. (laughs) Hey, man, that kid is a horse. Dude, that guy is built like a left tackle who runs like a defensive end. Not a DT. He – Dude, I don't know. Do you have a uniform to fit him? Him and Malata are gonna when these guys get off. You know what I would do? Tell me, hey, if I was Nick Siriani and I was on road trips, those two dudes and Fletcher Cox would be my first three dudes off the bus. <laughs> hey, hey, right? Here, well, you you roll, you roll into Dallas. You roll into Dallas, and the first three dudes off the bus are Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, and Jordan (laughs) Mulata. You're going to do this. Holy jeez. What the hell is this? Good grief. (laughs) What do you got here, man? Is there anybody under 6'4", 350 pounds on that team? Those are big dudes, man. Hey, yeah, Right? Right? Landon, 6'6", six, six, look at that, that's like the biggest team, they gotta be, the Eagles might have the biggest team in the league, man, I'd roll them dudes right off the bus, man, let's just start intimidating everybody, <laughs> the Eagles are big, man, you know who else has that distinction, the Patriots are a big, Carolina's a big team, you step on the field with the Patriots, the Patriots have big dudes on that team. Belichick likes big players, thinks it's intimidating. The Eagles, man, they got some monsters on that team. Just absolutely enormous. And I was really glad to see the guys in the way that they answered it. All right. Xander, help me out here. Who was the – what show was it today? Because, hey, Big Sills checks out. All the shows on Jacob Media, and I hope you guys do as well. I love the fact we have all different shows. Everybody does a completely different show than everyone else. Payne City, William, I love it. Yeah, hey, Chris, Kelsey will probably look like the smallest, he'll look like a running back behind all them dudes, right? Sandra, what was the show that was talking about the best duo wide receivers in the NFL? What show was it? what 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 show was hitting on that? The birds. This guy's got such a great following too. And I like that topic. And let me let me throw this at you here. In today's NFL. In today's NFL. In today's NFL, you've got to have a great passing attack. Zander says John calls them the best tandem of talent in Eagle history. They are. Now, if you go back, Carmichael and Quick, probably the best because of the production they had. Carmichael and Quick. Okay, right? What do we say? Because when, when Wentz? Threw for 4,500 yards. He didn't have a 1,000-yard wideout. He had a hell of a tight end. But there weren't really big-time playmaking wide receivers on that team at that time, right? The thing there is that Carmichael was 34 years old at the time, and the talent probably dipped a little. He's right. And Wilbur Montgomery was more of a pass-catching running back out of the backfield. That's correct. When Quick came in from NC State, okay, Harold had been there since the early 70s. And as Harold got towards the 80s, he he was getting up past his prime there. But what made Harold Carmichael so difficult to defend was his height. I mean, he could play forever because of the size he had. And Quick started taking that baton, and what did Jaw start to do? They did more by throwing the ball out of the backfield to, to Montgomery, And that's kind of how they moved the chains quick Montgomery, right? And Harold was more of a, I don't, I don't want to say he was a decoy, but he was getting into that passing of the baton. Does that make sense? That's how I saw it as a kid watching the Eagles versus the giants all them years. Was that really Wilbur Montgomery was a very underrated running back in Eagle history. Okay. Macklin and Jackson Steven, my, my, my take on Macklin and Jackson, I never feared Jeremy Macklin. Deshaun Jackson was a one-dimensional wideout. That guy's not – he was not a route-running guy like a Steve Smith. Steve Smith is superior to Deshaun Jackson. Steve ran and was tough as nails, didn't miss games. Steve Smith, when he played in Carolina – That was a number one wide out. I always looked at Deshaun as being him and Tariq Hill are kind of the same guy. You know what I'm saying? They were kind of the same dude. So when I saw those two guys, John McMullen's correct. Now listen, when we say this, John McMullen, Eagle Media, and you the fans, have now put enormous pressure on Jalen Hurts. Because if the production for Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown aren't there by the end of the year, you're gone. If those guys don't have 100 catches, not that you've ever had a 100 catch wide out, if somebody doesn't have 100 catches this year, would we consider Jalen Hurts a failure this year? I would. You're not going to spend $100 million to have a guy catch 68 passes. (laughs) Sorry. I'll say it again. If you don't break that, that barrier, break that glass ceiling, for the first Eagle to have 100 catches in a year this year, Jalen Hurts is a failure because he couldn't get the ball to him. Is it fair or is this hating? Is this fair or is this hating? Justin says not if it if they win at all. Okay. If they win it all, we could probably put an asterisk on that. but if they don't, you spend a hundred million dollars to hire a decoy. Is this hating? Or is this reality? Howie Roseman's not spending $100 million to have a guy come in here and just catch 50 passes. Fair. Okay. Let's take a look at this, for instance, here. I wrote down the best tandems in the NFL. Do you think that A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are better than Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro? Or comparable? Think they're comparable? Oh, we're also going to get to the changing of the offense because it has to happen now. You're not paying a guy $100 million and not drafting a guy in the first round last year, a Heisman Trophy winner, not to change the offense this year. That offense should not look like anything they did last year. Is that fair? Steven says, comparable. Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. Is that comparable to A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith? I agree. I think it's comparable. How about Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle with the Dolphins? Very good, Kevin. Kevin, Kevin's getting ahead of me here a little bit. But Kevin's on to Kevin, you're on to the next take on this topic. Paul, you think the Dolphins are better with Hill and Jalen Waddle? I'll take AJ Brown at Devontae. Comparable, Craig? Omar, I'm with you. Smith is better than Renfro? Renfro had 104 catches last year, or 100-some-odd catches last year. Okay? Let's move on. Do you think A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are better than Mike Evans and Chris Godwin? Don't bring the quarterback into it yet. Is A.J. Brown better than Mike Evans? Yes. Is Devontae Smith better than Chris Godwin? No. Um, Comparable. Comparable. Oh, here's one of my favorites. Vikings. Is A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith better than Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. I don't think AJ Brown's better than Jefferson. I don't think he's better than Justin Jefferson. And Adam Thielen's pretty good. But I think Devontae is better. Make sense? So what we say comparable? Would you, would you say comparable? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, I, I just learned something here. So is Justin Jefferson a taboo name not to bring up to Eagle fans? Because Xander says I'm rubbing salt in the wound. I, I'm not meaning that. I'm, <laughs> I just kind of am bringing it up here a little bit. But is Jefferson, is Jefferson like a taboo word not to bring up because of the dude that's on the team now? Is, is is that like supposed to be like kind of off limits a little bit? That's a pretty good tandem there, right? How about this Bengal thing? Still stinks passing on Jefferson. Bums Eagle fans out. Okay, manster. Joe Mixon, <laughs> Jamar Chase, and T Higgins. That's a scary threesome there, man. I still got PTSD. <laughs> Jamar, hey, Jamar Chase and T Higgins, I do not think you're better than that tandem in Cincinnati. Hey, that's a pretty impressive, right? How about the Rams? Got to add Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup. Is A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith better than Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup? Probably not, right? Then again, I've never really been overly impressed with Allen Robinson. He's never really – he's never really overly impressed me, right? Right? Well, here's the difference with these tandems and the Eagles. Raiders have Derek Carr, top 10 passer. The Dolphins and the Eagles are in the same conversation that we have with you guys all the time. How about this? Watch this. Is Derek Carr better than Jalen Hurts? Yes. Is Tua better than Jalen Hurts? I don't think they're comparable. Tom, <laughs> Kirk Cousins. There we go again. You think Jalen's better than Kirk Cousins? You think he'll be the passer, Kirk Cousins is? <laughs> I'll get back to you on that. You think that Jalen's better than Matthew Stafford? You can have the greatest tandem in the history of the NFL, but if your quarterback can't get the ball to these two dudes, it won't matter how good these guys are. Do you understand what John McMullen, every Eagle fan, is now saying? We have the best wide receivers in franchise history i agree you have a comparable o-line to your super bowl run o-line you've improved your defense coach is still in question i i think nick's the guy we'll see let's let's see if he can do it again good coaches are consistent right andy reed's been in kansas city Andy Reid's been in Kansas City for nine straight years. You know, he's made the playoffs nine straight years. Oh, Nick, that guy was fired. So I still think it's out on, on Nick. So all of you, you could talk about the best tandem. I, I saw, I saw Jalen address the media and Jalen said this. I'm really looking forward. What was the quote? I'm relishing the opportunity to improve with the Eagles this year. I believe them. I believe them. But I'm going to tell you this. Okay? I'm going to tell you this. We agree what John McMullen said. This is the best wide receiver group. In Eagle history. Do we agree? Wait, wait, what's this. Do we agree this is the best wide receiving court in Philadelphia Eagle history history? History of the of the team. So I want don't want to be accused of what I'm gonna say next here of being a hater on Jalen. Ernest agreed. Chris, yes. I want a couple more. I want to hear this. Agree. D-train. Most talented? Not the best. They haven't played a game yet. Fair. But neither have Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup. Neither have Devontae Adams or Hunter Renfro. Neither have Tyree Kill or Justin Waddle. Neither have Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup, I said that. Neither have they. So they're in the same boat. But I guarantee you the production that those guys will have because of the quarterbacks will be off the charts. Yes, yes. All-time great wide receiving core in Eagles history by far. Okay. Here's where I'm going. Well, by week eight then, we'll know if he's the guy. The Philadelphia Eagles now have to change their offense completely because if they have any resemblance of last year's approach and attack, it was a waste of a trade to get A.J. Brown in here. You're not spending a hundred million dollars to have a 1,400 yard wide receiver block downfield for you. There has to be less rushing attempts more effective when it comes, you know how you become more effective? You know why the Buccaneers don't have to run the ball 38 times? Because Brady's effective on third down and consistently in third and short. You see, the Eagles need to cut down on their attempts if they want to improve their passing game without losing their yards per carry. You can't rely on being a one-dimensional football team and beat good teams with good coaches. You're not going to. That's why they got their asses smoked last year against good coaching staffs and with more balanced teams and better quarterbacks. You'll never beat those teams. That system they ran last year cannot be the system going into 2022. It has to be completely different. You know, when you got out to that two and five start, that's actually kind of what you have to do. Because remember, Sirianni was trying to have balance. He was trying to get balance a year ago. and They were two and five. Then what did they have to do? They had to dummy up the team and I'm not accusing the players of being dumb. They had to dummy up the playbook. That's probably better and make it one dimensional so that they can win ball games. Steve says, you need a run game to keep the D honest. Steve, a run game to keep the team honest is when you're getting four or five a carry. That doesn't mean 38 carries. You can do that with 20 carries. They need to cut that amount of carries down per game in half. Still be effective. So play action keeps them honest. Steve, running the ball, in essence, does keep them, it keeps them honest. But being effective keeps them honest. If I run the, if Brady runs the ball ten times and they're doing it four or five a clip, whether they run it ten times or thirty times, they know they're getting effective running out of it, which means their screen game, their seam game, their deep game, their seam game is all in sequence with what's going on. All of this now has to happen in Philly, because you guys are now saying. It's the best wide receiver tandem. Davey Boy says, no shit, Sills. Really? Well, you didn't do it last year one bit. There wasn't a game that you won last year in the passing game. Not one. Not one, and it wasn't close. They have to create balance. That's right, Davey. I love this one here. There was no balance. We weren't running at all. They were running the ball like 10 times a game. That's right, when they were two and five. And then after two and five, that's when they started running it 38 times like they did against the Saints. Right. The offense now needs an overhaul, which means this I'll know. If Jalen Hurts is your guy, come week eight. Because if your greatest tandem in Eagle history is at the bottom of the duo chart with all these other great wideouts, you ain't got the guy. You'll know immediately. And I agree with what you guys are saying on one point here also. Wins matter too in this concept. I don't want to see shit yards and shit production, and you're still two and five, but you're at the top of the flow chart like Dak was, and the team's still losing. Those are like chum yards. Just throwing chum out. We also need to know Sirianni is the guy. Absolutely. Hey, nuts, 20 to 25 times, I'm good with that. Not 38, not in there. You get 20 to 35 carries, and Jalen's throwing the ball 35 times. That's what you need. Let me see here. Okay. Most of the time, you have 65 plays as an offense in a football game, when you're in a competitive football game, okay? You need to have, like, with a tandem like this, 40 throws and I would say 20 rushes. 40 throws and 20 rushes. That's what everybody else is doing in the league. Is this fair now, what I'm saying? 40? We need to see the team throw the ball 40 times a game. Right? If I start to see the game the game chart and it's 38 carries a game. You wasted a hundred million dollars and you wasted a pick that I said you did last year. Cause you ain't get the quarterback. They'll know the Eagles have to throw the ball 40 times. That's right. Jer- Jeremiah, give or take, give or take. 35 throws, 25 runs. That's a good dynamic. Okay. Joe says, Chris Long said yesterday on Jacob Media interview that the players on the Eagles, he has talked to say, they like Sirianni as a coach. Great. I like a lot of people. But I also know I I like a lot of people that can't do their job. Liking a guy, can the guy do a job? How many people do you think like um, Bill Belichick in New England? What's that got to do with anything? How many people in New England do you think like him? Hey, this is not hating, right? Also, we're going to have a little fun. See what I did here? You know, Sills always comes prepared. Please hit the like button. Thank you, Craig. Sills always comes prepared. By the way, we're going three to five today. We got Keith Byers at 430 Eastern. We're going to have a little fun today. I'm not going to say this to you. How many games are the Eagles going to win in 2022? I'm going to ask you, how many games do you think the Eagles will be favored in With the opponents they have this year. We're going to do that. We'll have a little fun on this Friday. All right. Don't forget, my friends at Morgan & Morgan, my friends. Love the fact that they're with us here. And as you can see, they're proud sponsors of the National Football Show with Big Sales. The fee is free, which means this. You get hurt or injured on the job. Make no mistake about it. Finding an attorney is one of the most important things that you can possibly do is finding that attorney for the people is not a slogan it's what they are it's who they have become and it's what they do for their clients do you know in the last 30 years morgan and morgan has collected over 13 and dollars in compensations for their clients this is what they do and as i said this is who they are with over 800 attorneys and offices in philadelphia new york florida and all across the country the army of attorneys that morgan and morgan has which makes them the biggest law firm. And when it comes to getting the compensation you need, they're the biggest in the country. That's who they are and what they do, all for their clients. 800-512-1600 to call us free. The consultation is free. 800-512-1600. That's 800-512-1600. And do me a favor, when you call them, tell them Big Sills sent you.
4: When choosing a lawyer for your injury case, you may ask, does the size of the law firm matter? Well, of course it does. The insurance company, they're huge with unlimited resources. And whether your case is big or small, they're built to bully you out of the money you're owed. But here's the good news. We're big too. The biggest, actually. And we're built to fight to make them pay for all that was taken from you. Size is our strength. There's only one Morgan & Morgan. For the people.com.
5: Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
0: Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24 seven with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big
5: story on you-
0: Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today
5: to learn more about who we are, what we do, and
1: career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this... So good, it just disappears.
3: Welcome aboard the National Football Show. Appreciate it. Your boy, Big Sills, here. Do you guys know who Josh Harris is? You guys know who Josh Harris is? I didn't even realize that I had his number in my cell phone. Do you know who he is? Let's see if you guys know who this dude is. Vape, who is he? (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Craig So I sent him a text Are you buying the Broncos? He 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 and Magic Johnson are teaming up And um, Are going to put a bid in for the Broncos I said you got to come on the Big Zill show He goes when do you want me? I was like, well, about next week he goes, let's get through the playoffs with the Sixers. I want I and I I know the guy. So I said, well, that'll be pretty that'll be pretty quick. We'll be able to get you on. He gave me the middle bird. <laughs> I, I, I should send you that, Xander. He gave me the middle bird. I said, Well, that's okay. It'll be over soon. Don't worry. Won't be as much pain. <laughs> I don't know. Mm, man <laughs> yeah so i text him like are you playing the broncos and he's like he goes he goes I, I, we're one of like five um groups that are in the mix to buy the broncos so You're gonna buy the broncos and you're gonna own the sixers wow <laughs> oh man so yeah i text him i'm like How's that James Harden Max coming. <laughs> dude, you, you know Pat Croach is the guy who introduced me to this guy. I know Pat real well. You know, have you seen Pat? He lives down in the Keys, and this guy looks like Dave Letterman now. I mean, have you you should see Pat Croachy right now? I mean, this dude, he's like, he looks like like a guy like from like Gilligan's Island. Not that you people would know who Gilligan's Island is yeah man yeah i know i know what he is i know i i know what josh is vape with the wikipedia
6: <laughs> yeah
3: dude man i was like i'm looking through my phone and i'm like you know because i'm always looking to see who i could get on by the way don't forget keith Byers, 4 30 eastern and i'm going like this i'm scrolling through and i go huh. josh harris i go Holy shit, man. That's right. This guy owns the Sixers. He's part of the ownership group of the Sixers. And then someone told me, he goes, you know, him and Magic put a bid in for the Broncos. I was like, what? I was like, oh, let me text his ass. That was that Max deal with Harden coming. <laughs> Give me the one-bird salute. After the playoffs. Well, that okay. That'll be real quick then. <laughs> Anyway, all right. Hey, we're gonna have a little fun here in a second. Please hit the like button. Um, indulge me here for just a few seconds. This goes out to the National Communist Association of America, known as that disgusting group in Indianapolis as the NC2A. So the NCAA now is coming up with. Guardrails for NIL. Guardrails. We have to reel this in, even though the Supreme Court said you're over your skis with this. And any legislation you can bring against the players when it comes to them making making money off their name and likeness, you have no jurisdiction. You're not a governing body when it comes to laws in this country. Where in the world do you think you have the power to supersede a Supreme Court decision? Even Justice Roberts said the NCAA acted like they were the head chief in charge and denied these players the ability to make money. The Supreme Court Justice of the United States of America, but some of these Administrators are going to now put requirements on NIL. These people are so afraid of losing their power over the players. They're hanging on for the very last bit of it. It's great to watch someone die like that. It's great to watch an organization like that just die on the vine. I have zero sympathy for them. They took my senior year away. I love this. Watching them die on the vine like this is spectacular. God, of all the things that I got into sports talk for, watching the NCAA die on the vine is awesome. Thank you. Man, do I love watching this. It's like they're being burned at the stake. Oh, you talk about justice. You'll get killed in court over this. There's a Supreme Court ruling. But not the end. Remember, the NCAA thought they were going to go into Penn State, $60 million in fines and a billion years of probation. Federal government went, "Ah, I don't think so. They reinstituted everything. As a matter of fact, Penn State didn't serve anything. So, you know what they did in their ignorance? They took Joe Paterno's wins away. Wow. What a statement for a guy who was raping kids at Penn State. Congratulations on really doing nothing. Congratulations. Congratulations. You look like fools. Didn't do anything but take Joe Paterno's wins away. That's like the federal government spending $30 million on the Bonds case, and Bonds gets house arrest in his mansion. I'm under house arrest, and I live in a 40-bedroom home in Northern California in Napa. (laughs) I'm under house arrest. Hey, have you had the cake bread Merlot? Try it. It's awesome. Big Sills recommended it. Oh, yeah. Hey, Stephen. Oh, my God, man. Watching the NCAA right now, it's like watching marshmallows getting roasted over a fire. So awesome. Oh, man. <laughs> We're going to put guardrails. Because Miami and USC is starting to frighten the SEC a little bit. Because you know why? You're in big cities and you can spend money. I'm trying to get John Ruiz on the show, too. John's ahead of that whole thing. He's just signing guys left and right. I go, John, you gotta come on and talk, man. You gotta, you gotta come on, man. All right. Let's move on. Because I could really just sit here and roast the NCAA, man, for the next eight hours. Oh, man. God. Marshmallows at a bonfire. <laughs> God, I hate that. Oh, and Mark Emmert's stepping down. You're probably stepping down into a, hey, what, what are you stepping into? Some big, giant job because you hijacked people's eligibility and all that other stuff, and you paid coaches billions. Isn't it cool that coaches – how come a coach can leave and go to a place, like Brian Kelly can leave Notre Dame and go take a $100 million job, but if a kid leaves an institution, he's got to sit out because it's a transfer rule. What is that? Who has more impact, you think, at a program, a coach or a kid? Come on, (laughs) man. Oh, man. Metaphorically, if you blew the place up, I'd be happy. Okay? Honestly. Just tear it down. Here we go. So, Big Sills... Has put together a list of teams that your 2022 best wide receiving core, Philadelphia Eagles, opponents this year. Thought we'd have a lot of fun on Friday here. Got them all written down here. I'd like to see what you think your football team is going to look like against some of, and how they match up against some of their opponents. What's up, Asmir? Please hit the like button. Here we go. The Washington Commanders. You got them twice. What do you think the outcome is? 1 1? 1 1? One, one? What do you think? You think you split? Chris goes 1 1. W. Split. How many people think you went both these? Vape says 2 oh. Jake says 2 0. Oh. 2 oh, easy. 2 oh, easy. I'm going to go 1-1. Common opponent, come on, split. Bears at Soldier Field. Eagles, best wide receiving core upgrade on your defense. What do you do at Soldier Field against the Bears? Samuel says the commanders have the second best quarterback in the division. Eagles, Eagles, I'm with you. Eagles, I think the Eagles take care of the Bears. I think FSG. I, I, I think the Bears are one of the worst teams in the league. Actually, Eagles win against the Bears twenty-four. Wow, Randall, that's a little closer than I would like. I'm with you, True. I think it's easy. Oh, Cowboys. Do you split two oh or oh two like this last year? Cowboys, Rico Eagles, one one, one one split. I'm with you. Three and two. Jeremiah, I think you went at the link, and I think you lose in Dallas. Dig still here? If so, that's (laughs) 0-2. Eagles 2-0? Well, I'm with you. I think it's a split, too. Lions. In Detroit, Dan Campbell in the kneecap eaters. The kneecap eaters. Much improved. By the way, who do you think is a better quarterback, Jared Goff or Jalen Hurts? Easy W. He spanked the Lions like he did this last year. I agree. You think Jalen's a better quarterback than Jared Goff? Do you? Golf is better? mm I'm not, I'm going to go with the kid in Philly. How about this? You may, you may think he's better, but I'm going to go with the kid in Philly. Okay. I'm going to go with the kid in Philly. Texans in Houston. So right now I've got one, two, three, four, five. I got five and two. Wow. The Colts with Matt Ryan at Lucas Oil. They're a better football team. That's an L. Tough win. An L, Chris says. Split with the Commanders and split with the Cowboys, and I just gave you the a tie. <laughs> I think it's an L 2 So, one, two, three, four, five, and three. Okay. The New York Football Giants. Do you split two oh oh two, conference opponent? Last year you split with them. What do you got? Could go either way, Clayton. I think that Colts game could go either way. Kurt, I do. I, I'm by the way, the Colts game to me is like a 27-26 game. I think that could be could go either way. Chris says 2 0. Sweep the Giants. God, you should sweep the Giants. I'm gonna go I'm gonna say that. I think he sweeped the Giants too. Very hard to do. I'm with you guys. I I, I think he sweeped the Giants. One, two, three, four, five, seven four, five. Seven and three right now. The Packers at the link. No way with those corners or half a corner. Okay. Jonathan Gannon. That's an L with the best receiving core in Eagle history. The Vikings at the link. Hey, we'll find out who's right here or not with the wide receiving core and Kirk cousins, Vikings, Dalvin cook, Phelan and Jefferson and Cousins and an improved defense. Who do you got, Vikings or Eagles? It is in Philly. Chuck. Gannon worries me too. Close. I'll go Eagles win. Shaggy Wires and Dougie Fresh, rolling in the Philly. How you doing? You're welcome. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha you that title. Not that dude sitting up there with a pencil in his ear.
7: I got gotcha. you.
3: <laughs> I did it. Not that guy. He thinks that guy did it. I did it. Sorry, Doug W. Comes to Philly and gets a loss. Doug Peterson comes to Philly. Yep. I agree with you. I think you spank him too. Look at this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and four so far. The Titans, who were the number one seed in the AFC last year. There's some really good grudge games. A.J. Brown gets a chance, and this is at the link, too. Oh, no, I I have a reason I'm doing this. I love my Eagles. W, tough match. You think you beat the Titans? You think that Eagle team beats the Titans? I think you win. Cards in Glendale. Whoa, Zacherts. I don't think you're better than the Cardinals. I think you're better than the Steelers at home. And I think you'll pound the Saints again. So I'm going to add this up and I'm going to tell you what my take is on this. Don't forget, we're only going 3 to 5 Eastern today here on a Friday. 4.30 Eastern, we are going to have Keith Byers on. And we'll talk a little Eagle football with our friend. That'll be at the bottom of the hour. Hit the like button. I'll tell you my reasoning for doing this. We'll do it next. Keep it right here on the national football show.
5: Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. 7, 0, 3. 1, 2, 3, because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank.
0: Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch Six ABC twenty four seven with the Six ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story and action. You- Search Six ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today
5: to learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities
1: with local98, visit us, IBEW98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rock's glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. So good, it just disappears.
3: Hour number two, Big stills here on the National Football Show. We are going to 5 o'clock today on this Friday. And we'll have Keith Byers at the bottom of the hour at 4.30 Eastern time. So please do me a favor, hit the like button. And we just did a great exercise here. And just to recap what we did here, a couple minutes here at the top as we got to the top of the hour here. I asked you how you thought, and again, this is all going to be subject to change. And I know this. Again, we're just having a little fun here on a Friday. I gave you like again just your thoughts on whether or not you thought you had a better roster than and what you thought you had your chances of for this 2022 season and what you've done today for me. Because you know what I got, I thought I, I got off the air yesterday and I I started thinking that I was sounding like a hater. And that I was a hater on Jalen. So what I'm gonna start doing is. I'm going to let you put the expectations out there. Then it's on you, not me. Because when I say I have expectations for NFL quarterbacks and NFL teams, okay, it comes off, Sils is just hating again on Jalen Hurts. Okay, well, this is what you said in the last hour. You said that the Eagles now have the best wide-receiving tandem in the history of the team. okay. Fair enough. We extended that story by saying, how well do you think they'll do this coming 22 season against the opponents? Now the schedule's not out yet. The war of attrition is not being played into this injuries and such. But today on May 6th, we're going by what we're seeing right now. By the way, I thought it was great listening to the rookies today. Howie this week was taking victory laps and having parades in May. The coach is calling into shows pretending he's Joey from South Philly. Everybody's feeling good about themselves. See, hey, no, I haven't had one negative thing to say about anybody today, actually. You guys are the ones that are putting now the requirements and your expectations on this football team for this season. Okay. So here, here is exactly what you said with these opponents. You think the football team's going to go 12 and 5 with the best wide receiving core that the team's ever had. Okay. 12 and 5. That's what your expectations are. 12 and 5 with the best wide receiving core in team history. That's quite a statement. So you're going to improve three games. No, 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 Chris, 11 and six. That's not what we came up with here. Came up with 12 and five. Davey boy goes 14 and three. Okay. But you'll settle for 12 and five. Okay. 12 and five. So tell me if I'm wrong. Hurts 4,500 yards passing the team 12 and five. (laughs) All right. Okay. I didn't say that you did. Daniel 17 and oh. spoken like a true. Okay. Spoken like a true Eagle fan. Davey boy. I agree. I don't think this is an overmatch schedule. I don't think there's 3,900 passing yards is not going to cut it. My friend on a 12 and five record. And <laughs> that's not going to cut it. Wow. 4,500, yeah, let's um, make sure we're we're fair because 4,500, wait a minute, 4,500 is league average. Oh, wait, wait a minute here. No, actually 249 yards a game is, is league average. So let's do that. That's probably more of a fair benchmark for Jalen, don't you think? Times 17, yeah, 4,233. 42, 33, 249 yards a game. You didn't get A.J. Brown to be a blocker and spend $100 million on him, okay? You brought that dude in to win ball games and be productive. 100 catches, 1,400 yards. Dude, 270 is 4,500. He's not going to go for 4,500. So we went 249. Actually, I think that's more like 4,600, 270. I know, Rico, He had, he's going to go from 3,100 to 4,233 in one year because of the best wide receiving duo in the history of the Eagles. You said that, not me. And I agree. How do you feel about these requirements? 12 and 5. 4,233, 249 yards. Is it doable? Let's see. Let's see what that actually comes out to. Let's see what 4,500 comes out to. It's 264 game for 4,500. Okay? 270. Is 4590. So, what we've done here today in our exercise is determine that the team now has the best group of offensive skilled people in the history of the team. I'd, um, the running back, can you upgrade the running back? It's two fifty-five a game. Forty-three thirty-five. Guys, wait a minute here. Okay, wait a minute here. You can't be lowering this passing attack with the best wide receiving core in the team's history. You can't lower those expectations. You can't. And call this off-season a success. Sec one says the running backs as a room behind that line are great. You know what, sec one, you led the NFL in rushing, so your point is taken. You can have Jonathan Gannon, you know, Jonathan Gannon's got to be better on that side of the ball. But on Sirianni's side of the ball, you had the number one rushing attack. And you can have Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis with 1,800 yards, but the Eagles had the best running attack. And it was with Miles Sanders and a group of dudes. So yeah but that can't be as a matter of fact the eagles need to drop that number that drop that number to being in the top five lead the league in rushing at not rushing attempts but yards per carry okay and as i said in the last hour jw 3500 yards and 25 touchdowns is not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it. You have a 100 million dollar wide receiver there. Okay? <laughs> look at look at look at what JW says here. 3500. No, hey, by the way, you set the expectations I have not today. 3,500 passing yards. It's 200 yards a game. Passing. Wait a minute. So 200 passing yards a game. You think is worth the investment of making on AJ Brown? And you think that's going to win you games? I told you. You've got to completely change the landscape of that entire offensive attack. What's the use of having the best wide receiving core in the history of the Eagles if you're not utilizing it? This has been my contention the whole time on Devontae Smith's pick of a year ago. What's the point? You know, when I brought up all these great wide receiving tandems, Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and Tariq Hill and Jalen Waddell and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, Jamarcus Chase and T Higgins, Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup. All these guys that I've named all have exceptional quarterbacks, except Miami. All of them have exceptional quarterbacks. And I'm not saying – right now, again, like I said, I'm not hating on anybody, and I'm not even going to throw negative comments out of Jalen on this. I'm just saying every one of those guys that I named are top 10 quarterbacks with top 10 wide receiving cores. If you've got a stiff throwing them the ball, it won't matter even in Las Vegas. It wouldn't matter in Tampa, and it didn't matter in Tampa. When Jameis Winston was the quarterback – in Tampa, they were 7-9. and nine. They put yards up, but they didn't do the ultimate. Put the numbers up and win games. You said we're going 12-5 and five, and the best wide receiving core in the history of the team. Maniac says, you've thrown enough negative comments at Hertzels, you don't need to say anymore. I haven't said anything negative today. That's an absolute lie. I have had not one negative thing to say about Jalen today. And if it fell that way for you, then you're hearing it wrong. Oh, wait a minute. You might be hearing the truth. Gaming says, Dan, just because your quarterback is an elite, that – means you don't build your team no whoa gaming you said that the team's going 12 and 5 this year what are you talking about i didn't say that number you did i didn't say that where did you get that from I didn't... we did this exercise. We did both of them together. We did both of them for together here. EC, thank you, man, for coming aboard down under. You said twelve and four yesterday. I did. That's a sixteen-game schedule. So uh, I'm assuming. Hey. EC, if you heard it, then guess what? I must have just went alongside of what you guys said. 12 and 5. Look at that. Thinking alike. Wow. David says, Sills, how many rushing yards acceptable? David, I don't think it's about rushing yards. I think it's about effective rushing attempts. Okay? Hey Maniac, you need to do like, you know what you need to do, Maniac? Maniac goes 15 and 2. Maniac, there's a there's a fantastic Waffle House in South Florida. It's like a little bit north of Fort Lauderdale. Okay? And believe me, this place here, dude, is unbelievable. They've got like a stand up comedy area where you can go there and get your waffles. And trust me, it's for startup stand ups. You're going to love it, man. Unbelievable. It's Sea Breeze. Go there. Dude, you, ask for the back room. There's a great place back there. Okay. You eat your waffles, you have your sausage, then you go back and you can do stand up comedy. Then, if you're good enough, there's a Motel Six. Right up the pike there. promise you. You'll love it. It's in Zephyr Hills. Unbelievable. Been there. It's a dinner. It's one of those comedic dinner places where you sit there and you watch a guy doing Old Man in the Sea. (laughs) Dude, you're going to love it. I'm not kidding you, bro. Hey, are you kidding me, maniac? I'd be front and center right there in the front getting ready for the Gabagool. I don't know, they serve goop. Maybe I'll just bring my own bottle. Dude, calm down. Sil- dude, I'm calm. Are you kidding me? <laughs> hey, hey, dude, the waffle. Hey, hey, Andrew, don't shit on a Waffle House, bro, unless you've been there. You kidding me, man? Eat your waffles. You may have to run for it. <laughs> hey, hey, you, you, you may have to run for it, but they, dude, Everybody knows who's ever been to Florida and has been plastered. The South Florida deal with the Waffle Houses are like the northern version of Castle, of White Castle, okay? Xander goes like this. We used to crush the Waffle House at 2 a.m. Yeah. Big Joe's money, man. This guy's out hammered in the middle of the night, 2 a.m. walking down, man. Hey, Waffle House. You go in there and you eat everything on the planet. Hey, man, I'll take eggs over easy. And then by the time you get home, man, you're in your shower going, (laughs) and then you wake up in the morning and your pants are down by your ankles and you don't know where you are. And you're like, how'd this happen? Oh, but I ate out a Waffle House. (laughs) Don't shit on a Waffle House, man, unless you've been there. All right, hey, so I love what you guys have done today. 12-5, and best receiving core in the history of the Eagles. I done. All right, hit the like button. We're going to talk to our friend Keith Byers, get his take on what he thought of his time in Philly, playing with those great legendary teams, the current Philadelphia Eagles, too. Keep it right here on the National Football Show.
0: Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch six ABC twenty four seven with the six ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search six ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle
5: with pride only five years ago, and then the following morning. IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit
1: us, IBEW98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You... could say that.
4: Holy sh... The glass is for cocktails, right? It's
1: for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of glass? Okay, but is the rip Smooth?
2: Will you stop doing that? I'm the
1: professional
0: here.
2: And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free?
1: That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of stateside vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears.
3: Welcome back. National Football Show. It's your boy, Big Sales. Keith Byers will join us here in a couple minutes. I want to show you how an organization is supposed to act when a player is disgruntled. Did you see what Debo Samuel is doing now in San Francisco? He put the 49ers back on his social media platforms. And you know what he's saying now publicly? Hey, they came to me and they're trying to work things out. They want me here. John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, ate ego, and went to him instead of butting heads, and saying "Get the hell out of here," and told him this: "You're a major part of what we're doing here. Without you, our offense doesn't move the sticks." That is how you you keep building relationships. That's how you build a culture. I say this to you guys all the time. Maniac is calling Debo a moron. He may have been. What's the point? You have to deal with morons, and you have to deal with analytical people too, dude. If you're a coach in an organization, not everybody is a savant. Some people need to be cared more. Some people don't. The key is collecting talent, not giving up on them. So many organizations and so many people try to get to the no. They don't get to yes. Your objective on building a great business is getting to yes, not getting to no, not closing off creativity, not closing off people's opinions. Those are arrogant folks. That's why the Cowboys are in the position they're in. Because it's one way or the highway with Jerry Jones or Harry Hines. Determining wherever you are in Dallas there, if you're on Harry Hines, I don't know what he's doing at Harry Hines at 10 o'clock at night. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Hey, all good, I guess. That's leadership, dude. Kudos to the 49ers for trying to make it happen, man, and trying to make sure that, hey, if you've got a disgruntled employee and you've got someone that's not happy with the way things are going, why? Go to them. That's what John did. Vape says, ask buyers if Buddy neglected the offense. We will. Hey, by the way, though, Vape, Don't you think that Bill Belichick turned his offense over to Josh McDaniel and Bill has a lot with his son in the handling of the defense in New England? I mean, Sean McVay, I can't see Sean McVay sitting there too much, having a conversation with Raheem Morris and talking defensive schemes Right? I can't. All right. I got to do this here, man. Hold on. Before we get Keith Byers on, anytime we get the old gang together, I got to put that in there. Let's bring in Keith Byers now. And, Keith, I got to have the hat here for you, man. <laughs> as as I, Hey, as I'm rolling the hat in there, man, I got the Jerome Brown hat right oh, there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> How about oh, that, Keith? It. Look at that. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I just sent Keith – I just sent Keith a – I sent him a text and I said, you know what, man, Jerome and I used to say, he goes, you know, I've met Keith Byers, and you know what Keith said? He goes like this, man, why'd you let Flutie complete that pass? That dude (laughs) – that dude cost me the Heisman Trophy and you let that dude catch that pass? You guys were on the field. You couldn't do anything. Keith, I still think he should have won the Heisman that year.
7: I totally agree. Totally agree. <laughs> I used to tease Jerome. I said, Jerome, all those sacks and pressures you had in college, you took that play off? That's the one play you decided to take off, JB? I can't <laughs> believe it. He's like, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. like, man. Ah. Uh, I just saw Darryl Fullerton last week, defensive back over from Miami. And every time I see him, I said, "You still going for interceptions? Bat the ball down, bat the ball down, Daryl. He just dude. walked
3: away. So he, every hey, time I see him, it's, he never you know, lives that down, Keith. He does never. It, man. We, we always, we always look at him and we we always go like this, man. You let a white dude get behind you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let take you deep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? We got so many great Philadelphia sports fans on. What was it like playing with all those personalities in Philadelphia? I mean, God, I just loved that football team. And there were so many great personalities. Keith, what was it like playing with all those great players? Uh, it, it
7: was it – was, I wouldn't say it's a dream come true because you
3: don't dream about
7: things like that. But in retrospect, I couldn't ask for a better place. I mean, you play in Philadelphia, and the city's nickname is a city of brotherly love. I mean, and those personalities that you're talking about, all the different personalities, different types, black, white, red, blue, it doesn't matter. You know, Republican, Democrat, it didn't matter. We were all brothers in that locker room. And every day, you know, was an adventure. I mean, it was a joy. And I mean, my, my good friend and brother, Pepper Johnson, went to Ohio State with a college roommate, played for the New York Giants. Pepper told me one time, he said, man, you guys, you know, with the Giants, you know, we we got a good brotherhood there, but it's more of a business relationship. We come together and let's go get this job done. But you guys actually love one another. Y'all just, it's it's special. <laughs> and uh, this summer we were talking, and they used to come, all the guys in Philly used to come to my football camp in Dayton, Ohio. And Reggie, you know, he loved WWF. And so Reggie used to always, you know, uh, work on his moves. He used to do the Macho Man, Hulk Hogan, all those guys. And so we're at my football camp one year in Dayton, and Reggie gets the microphone. He starts doing his impressions, and uh, WWF starts breaking out. We start jumping and dog pounding each other and uh, jumping on top of Reggie. And Pepper Johnson's watching all this, like, this guy's gonna mess around and get hurt. You know, (laughs) Pete Jackson takes a running dive into Reggie White's arms, and he catches him. And we got him on down, and like, okay, we gonna pin him. And then all of a sudden, Reggie just busts up and gets that superpower, and we just all just fall away. And everybody's like, we just like kids, like, you know, fourth and fifth, sixth graders. We just generally having a good time enjoying our company. And Pepper like, man, I, you don't know how bad that day I wanted to jump in and, and be a part of it. You know, it's like, you guys just it seemed like it was choreographed. But it was just a normal, typical day for us. And, you know, we was at my football camp, but we would act our way in the locker room on a Tuesday or Wednesday. It didn't
3: matter. What was it like playing in that city? I'll tell you what I've learned, Keith. Just just the fan base is so rabid. It is so smart. It loves – and I've said this too, Keith. You know, even the Donovan McNabb era and the Jaws era, your era is the most (laughs) revered era with those fans, with the gangrene defense, with you and Randall and what you guys did, that city has embraced that team more so than any other team I've even the Super Bowl team. Why is (laughs) that, you think? I think that we kind of –
7: you know, like you said, the Jaworski Eagles, they went to a Super Bowl, and, you know, they helped – the Eagles hadn't won anything since Chuck Bedmerick. They have been down. And it was like a small moment of time when Dick Vermeil they brought something back to to the Eagles and then Vermeil burned out. And then Mary Campbell takes over and it kind of goes back to what it was in the mid to late 60s and early the, the late 70s again. And then Buddy Ryan comes to town and brings, you know, that, that swagger that they had with the Chicago Bears to Philadelphia, only it's only his – not the Dicker Bears, it's the, the the Buddy Ryan Eagles. And he brought his own spin on it. And he just brought the Buddy Ryan, you have to start with him. You know, he was a great judge of character and men and, and talent, of course. And he just brought us all together. And it was just a good mixture of guys that was all about the team and all about winning. It wasn't about individual stats or anything like that. It's about how can we win? And if we would have had free agency the way that they have it today, everybody would have been flocking to come to Philadelphia. You know, it was the place to be, and it was a good organization. And you mentioned the fans. You know, I have to defend the fans all the time, only because they don't really need any defense, just to educate people how smart the Philadelphia Eagle fan is. You know, they get a bad reputation. They're the worst fans. Like, you don't know what worst fans are you know the eagles fan is the most educated fan in all the pro sports you know they whether well, all the philadelphia fan not just the eagles the philadelphia fan because they live and eat and sleep what you do and if you're 4 and 12 season they're there to boo you and let you know how bad you suck and if you're 12 and 4 they're there to cheer you and tell you how great they are and all they want at the end of the day is a good hard day's work and let the scoreboard dictate what it is but all they want is all you got, and you you got to love that as a player because they're there, they're behind you. They are that twelfth man on the field, giving you that shot of energy. And all I, I, I played in four places: Miami, New England, and with the Jets. But Philadelphia has always been number one in my heart.
3: I got to tell you this story, Keith. So remember Plan B back in the day. So Buddy brings oh, yes. me in, and I'm in there and. You guys, I don't know, Jerome played a really bad game on a Monday night. Buddy benched him or something. I guess the Giants beat you. I come walking in on a Tuesday. Buddy Ryan looks at me, and he goes, you. And I go, he, Jerome standing right next to me goes, buddy, silly. And he goes like this, you think I want another one of him around? <laughs> what the hell? You think I want another? Did you see that performance on Monday night? You think I want another? I looked at him. I said, you son of a <laughs> What was it like playing for Buddy? I, I mean, I loved it because with Buddy,
7: it was either you ask people that question, you're going to get two answers. I loved it. I hate it. Nothing in between. And that was Buddy. You know, he gave you a straight answer. He was totally brutally honest with you. You didn't have to agree with his assessment of your way you played, but at least you knew where he stood and you play for other coaches and you may ask him a question and you're not 100 percent sure of the answer you received like hes just telling me that or does he really mean it with buddy Ryan, he means everything he says and uh I, I you know I just he's just gonna give you a straight answer I mean some people just like get criticizing for man why you when you' when you' cut a guy why you got to be so hard and give him an insult? Well, it wasn't necessarily that. That was just Buddy just being telling you honestly how I felt about a player,
3: <laughs> and that's 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 all, play. all players, that's all players really want, right, Keith? To just have people being honest with them. So, hey, Keith, let me let me throw this at you here because I always ask this question, especially with really great players like yourself. Did you enjoy playing on Saturdays more or Sundays more?
7: Wow, that is a good question.
3: And you and, and believe it or not,
7: my answer is the same. And you can even throw in Friday night, you know, because my buddies locally, they asked me that, they've asked me that question for years. And there's a three different answers to that. They're all the same, though. Friday night cannot be compared to playing on Saturday because Friday night, high school football, you're playing with the guys you grew up with in your neighborhood and let's go beat this high school across town. And that special ride the bus rides to those games and, all the camaraderie, you know, after the game, you know, how many girl phone numbers did you get and did your girlfriend come up to you and give you a hundred <laughs> kiss, you know, before you got on the bus, you know, that's special. Because you know, when you play high school football, it's only very few of you guys are going to get opportunity to play college football somewhere, and especially on scholarship. So, and high school football is the end of what? 95, 98% of guys' football career is over in high school. And so now you go to college, and you're playing college football with these guys that from California, Florida, Georgia, from around the country, and y'all come together for four years. And for four years, like, I felt like I loaned you my own, my whole life. Like I mentioned Pepper Johnson earlier. You know, he's from Detroit, Michigan. I'm from Dayton, Ohio. and We meet at Ohio State, and we're roommates for four years. And after four years, I felt like I've known him all my life. I mean, it's like we're brothers. We've got different parents. And that's the bond that you, you, you form there. And, again, only few of you guys want to go on to the next phase and play professional football. So when you come back and get with your college buddies and you laugh and joke, maybe that one Friday night and this, and that is special. So now you could talk about Sunday playing professional football. for Guys, you've been watching at different colleges. i watched Jerome Brown play, Reggie White, you know, Keith Jackson, uh, you know, watch them play on television. Oh, and Someday we may be teammates. Wow, we're teammates. Hey, we're in Philadelphia. That is special because now you're watching these different colleges from around the country, and you come together and you form a bond. One time I was teasing Andre Waters. You know, he's from he was from Pahokee, Florida. I said, Andre, why didn't you – Florida didn't recruit you or Florida State or Miami? None of them wanted you. Yeah, they wanted me. Well, why didn't you go? I chose Cheney State. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> you want to go to Cheney State? <laughs> you know, because I was teasing about going to Cheney. He said, Keith, we all here now, ain't we? I was like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> not, we all was trying to get here. We in the same locker room now. Like, you know what? You're 100% right. We take different paths, but we're all here. And that's why that's the only thing that's so important. And those bonds I met with my Philadelphia Eagles guys, they were they're unbreakable. You know, my wife, I got, I got remarried seven years ago. My wife met Clyde Simmons last summer for the very first time. And I hadn't seen Clyde in about two years. And I, we, Clyde walked in the room. I saw, we just ran each other like kids and started hugging and embracing. And my wife was like, Who is that? I'm like, This is my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Clyde. I, Clyde, this is my wife. I introduced her to him, like, Oh, nice to meet you. She like, Y'all like, I'm like, Honey, you don't understand. Me and this guy, me, him, and Seth Joyner, we call ourselves the 86ers. We came in the league together in 86. You know, we're the 86ers. And, you know, I like, and we we just have fun for the next day and a half, just talking. And she like, wow, how, who else is that I ever met? A few others, but you know, <laughs> But that's that's our bond, you know that that's unbreakable. I talked to Ron Heller last uh, summer. Oh, he
3: was a former teammate of mine with the uh, Buccaneers. With yes, and re- me and Ron Heller, I you know, he just called me
7: out the blue, and we talked for about an hour and a half. And I, like, and I hadn't talked to Helen in a couple of years. I said, man, you know, I miss you. I can't go this long without talking to you, man. I'm so glad, you know, you called me. He said, yeah, we, yeah, we got to be able to stay in better touch with each other. And he asked, you know, he, we were talking during the course of our conversation. He said, even though he, he didn't play in Philadelphia a long time, but he feels more connected. He played with the Tampa, played in Miami. He said, I feel most most connected to the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm more of an eagle when people ask me what team, you know, you associate the most with. He said, those, time, those years of Philadelphia were just, just special. <laughs> you know, just, you just got to be there experiencing the, the bond and, the you know, the closeness that we had. It, it's just really hard sometimes, you know, to describe. No, you know,
3: it, then- I, I tell people all the time because, like, as you know, Jerome would probably tell you, the ties that we have with our hurricanes, Jerome was my best friend. And I mean, all those great ties that we had with Stubbs and those guys that we played with and the things we right. did. I mean, Jerome was my best friend, man, at Miami and I loved him to death, man. I mean, it's just, you're right. It's just unbreakable when you, 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 you create those bonds. I got to ask you about the modern day Eagles. What do you make of Jalen hurts in this football team? They're building in Philly. Now, do you like the direction they're going? I do. I do. I mean, they made the playoffs last year. It was a
7: surprise to me that they got in the playoffs. But once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. But and now, you know, going into the season last year, Jalen Hurts knew he was the quarterback. But it was still a, still some doubt because he hadn't played the whole season. This year, going into the season, it's all your team. You know, it's time for you to step up. You're going into year three. And third year is a lot of big determining factor for me, especially all positions, but more so at quarterback. So this is going to be a big deal. They got him weapons. You know, if Miles Sanders can stay healthy, you know, and they they always got to running back by committee. I think they could, and then Devontae Smith, I like him at wide receiver to go with AJ Brown. Oh my gosh. It's it's scary on paper. And it's trying to control my emotions this early, you know, in the offseason. It's only May. But they got the makings. But this is the time that, you know, there's a good question you asked that you get better when nobody's watching. This is when you add something to your toolbox in the months of April and May and June. So we'll come July and September when the season starts. we Now we can see what kind of hard work which you've been working on. And now's the time, and hopefully Jalen Hurts, is not just doing the work physically, but doing the work mentally. You know, to, to learn how to play the quarterback position, especially when there's no pressure. Now every Monday he goes into the facility, we're not talking about what happened on Sunday. So now's the time for him to get better, get to his reads a lot quicker, get rid of the ball, and move the chains. Chain first downs, turns and the touchdowns.
3: Keith, do you believe if Jerome had lived, do you think that Reggie would have left Philly? Oh, that's I never heard that question. No. He wouldn't have left. He wouldn't have left.
7: Reggie didn't want to leave Philly.
3: I didn't want to leave Philly. Was it the owner? It was the owner. Norman you Brayman. Know,
7: Norman Brayman. You know, me and Reggie, we used to call each other Super Bowl night after the Super Bowl was over. Like next year is our year, man. We can't we you know, we you know, we, we we gotta win the Super Bowl here. We you know, we gotta do it. We're getting closer, we're getting closer. And Reggie, I mean we that, there was no way Reggie would have left. You know, I didn't want to leave. When I left Philadelphia. I signed as a free agent in June to go to the Dolphins. <laughs> in, in the free agency started in March, I was trying to stay. You know, I'm like, come on, just be
3: fair with me. What's so Keith, money. Don't so leave. Keith, money ripped that team apart at the end, right? Absolutely, 100,
7: 100, because the the uh, the friendship and the, and the commitment to each other, you know that that's that, that remained the same. You know, after I left, and there's Seth and Clyde and Eric Allen, and Andre Waters, Randall. Eventually, none of us wanted to leave. We all we I never not playing my whole career in Philadelphia. And then even after I left Philadelphia, um, my agent would talk to the Eagles about different clients, and he would try to negotiate a contract. And the conversation would be like, "We can't believe Keith left. Why is Keith? You know, he should have stayed the Eagle." I'm like. Why are we talking about Keith? Y'all, we could have handled this last year, or two years ago, or three years ago. He did, he did his best to try to stay. But <laughs> if they were just taking a hard line on the contract, you know, they just made one offer and that was it. No sign. So, wait,
3: wait, so, so, Keith, it wasn't Kotai. it was the owner.
7: I think that's one and the same. Kotai didn't fight.
3: Okay, you know,
7: you know, like Buddy Ryan did. You know, and when I was hold, when I was going to my second contract with the Eagles, uh, Keith Jackson was holding out and I was holding out, and Buddy Ryan said, That's 100% of our offense, our pass offense on the sideline. Get yeah. them signed. <laughs> Keith and Keith, that's the 50 50. That's our pass offense. Get them in, get them signed. You know, when are we going to get serious about it? And next thing so you know, my contract got worked out. You what know, do- but they was just trying to, the Eagles was just, 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 uh, you know, Brayman Ownership Group at that time, they didn't really want to – they were trying to go the
3: cheap route. Last two questions for you. Um, so what was Buddy Ryan's undoing, in your opinion? Was it the fact after the after the Fog Bowl and all that where, you know, they thought that the window had closed and all that for the team? What was What was the final nail in the coffin for your group when it started to unravel at the end? Obviously, money, like you said, was the issue. But what was really the linchpin? Was it that game in Chicago? No, no, no. I was. You're talking about the,
7: the Chicago was the first playoff loss. The third playoff loss. We lost the third playoff game in a row uh, to to uh, Washington, the Washington Commanders. Now, uh, when we lost to them, that was it. And I didn't agree with that. I still disagree because in those days, you got you had the free agency wasn't we didn't have free agency like we had now. We had plan B, but it wasn't what it right. was. And we were building the team. They had to build it through the draft. And that year, you know, word got to me, we were going to draft Eric Williams out of Central State that the Cowboys got. That's who Buddy Ryan was targeting. But we ended up getting Anton Davis and gave him two number ones for it. Wow. You know, because the offensive line was, you know, what, what, what held us back, you know, every year in the playoffs, you know, when I do commentary, I tell people, your talent got you into the playoffs. That's what differentiates you. Yeah, every team in the NFL has talent to win three games. I don't care. Every team can win three games strictly off talent. And so every, all teams in the NFL are talented. But your talent is what got you into the Super Bowl, I mean, into the playoffs. And, of course, coaching and defense and all of, that got you there. The reason why teams don't win the Super Bowl, because now you're playing against another talented team that's in the Super Bowl, who can expose each other's weaknesses the most? Because every team has strength. Every team has weaknesses. So which one of your weaknesses is going to get exposed the most, that's why you lose. And you look at the Super Bowl this year, the Bengals' weakness got exposed quicker than the Rams' weakness. And it comes as that minute of a difference. And for us at that time, our offensive line was our weakness that Buddy was addressing in the draft, in the upcoming draft. You know, because other than that, we were going defense, defense, defense. You know, other than myself being the number one pick and Keith Jackson being the number one pick at a, at a, a tight end, basically our, def- our drafts were more defense early than it was offense.
3: You know, Keith, it's funny you say that. And I, you know, because I played against you guys. And you know what's crazy? is that the emphasis has been made with this new ownership group, with Jeffrey Lurie and with Howie Roseman, Joe Banner, all these guys, to make sure that they have a stout O-line. No disrespect to the players like Dave Remington and those guys. No disrespect oh, yeah. to any of them guys. Not at all. But it wasn't an elite O-line that you played behind. It, it They were not elite guys. And for that purpose there – do you ever do you think because I always say this about Jalen, they went out and they got AJ Brown for him. Do you think they gave Buddy Ryan enough on offense to no. compliment what? all the guys that you had on offense like you and Randall to be able to truly be a complete team?
7: No, they did not. he was almost sabotaged. I'll tell you that I don't know if you even know this story. The summer of nineteen ninety, during training camp, uh Jim Lachey was with saying that he was holding out with the San Diego Chargers. Washington made the trade to sign to get him. Then the next year, he they went to Washington Need another hog. No, they get him. They win the Super Bowl in 1991. Buddy Ryan had me on the phone trying to get Jim Lachey and his agent. That's right. He's a Buckeye. Up. He's a Buckeye. He played with me. He's my teammate. Buckeye brother. Jim wanted to come to Philadelphia and play with me. I'm like, yeah, he was one of my major offensive linemen in college. I would love to have him. He wanted to come to Philadelphia. Norman Brayman was in the south of France and wouldn't make the deal. And you let him not only not leave the Chargers and go somewhere else, he comes to our division. And now we got to play him twice a year. And I'm like, that would have been a, a, a anchor. Him and uh, Ron Heller, a tackle.
3: That could have been our Super Bowl season right there in 1990. We don't Man. get it. That move right there would have put you guys over the top as being a complete offense here. Hey, playing with Randall, you know, you is Randall one of those guys that is just not really too understood well? I mean, I think he's embraced him being an eagle today more than he did actually when he played, Keith. I mean, he seemingly had adversarial relationships with the media. He was kind of a standoffish guy, and I think he accepts it more now. What was his relationship in that city when you played with him, and did you enjoy playing with Randall? I love playing with Randall,
7: and I, every year I, I scream loud that Randall should be in the Hall of Fame. Huh? You know, he's he's a Hall of Fame quarterback because I've seen other Hall of Fame quarterbacks going go in to the Hall of Fame, and I'm not no disrespect, you know. So I won't even use names that way; no, nobody would know who I'm talking about. But there's been quarterbacks been in the Hall of Fame since Randall Cunningham is playing in a league that you want to measure their career against Randall Cunningham's career, th- th- he's a Hall of Famer. Because I always get into debate debate what a, what a Hall of Famer is, then I end up saying, I guess I don't know. Because when I talk about the Hall of Fame, that's your individual play. It has nothing to do with the team. Your individual, because that's the individual award. But then they go to talk about, well, how many Super Bowls did you win? That is team award. It's, Hall of Fame is an individual award. You know, and you you match Randall Cunningham ability and the difference that he made as an individual and as a team, his impact on his team, there's no way you don't say he's not a Hall of Famer. You know, uh, just a sort of quick side note, uh, Dan Marino's Hall of Fame quarterback, probably the most talented quarterback I ever played with. How is Dan Marino in a Hall of Fame and he doesn't have a receiver in a Hall of Fame?
3: Dude, Duper and Clayton. Doesn't Wait, have even that old line. I mean, even the old line Richmond Webb. I yeah. mean, how are those guys not in the – I played against Richmond Webb. How is that dude not in the Hall of Fame not with all same. those Pro Bowl years? And Clayton and Duper, I mean, the Marx brothers are two of the two of the best tandems and duos in NFL history. I don't get it either, man. I, I mean, do how it. are they not in the Hall? That's why I said I don't know what a Hall of Fame is. <laughs> I guess I don't know.
7: Because I've seen other guys. I'm like, other receivers, they're not – none of them – okay, damn – he was throwing the ball and catching it. <laughs> I mean, Dan is the last quarterback to go into the Hall of Fame without none of his a receiver or a tight end to go. You think Derek yeah. Allen's a Hall of Famer? No question. No question. No question. You think Seth you know, is? Absolutely. I see. I mean, the, what Seth was asked to do, you know, he was a complete linebacker. You know, and it, I mean, he they, they, when he blitzed, he blitzed. When he covered, he covered. He caught, what, what are you looking for? I mean, if you compare just as uh, I mentioned one Hall of Famer, Pittsburgh Steeler Hall of Famer, Jack Ham. It impacted Jack, the Jack Ham. With if he's a Hall of Famer and what they asked Jack Ham to do with the steel curtain defense, that's a great comparison. Seth Joyner's not a Hall of Famer. No, no, Seth, I, I would. It's, I Jack never Hamm thought of that. And I hey, love Ham. I never Close thought of Steph that. Joyner.
3: But Jack Ham, Seth Joyner – I see the same player. I do see the same player. I see the same. Hey, Keith, man, we got to do this again, dude, man. I I tell you no what, problem. JB used to call me and tell me, he goes, I got a whole new family up here, you know. Hey, and all these guys, you guys used to come down to Brooksville for his youth tournament. We used to do all oh, those. Yes. Those amazing. things were so much fun. And man, I've you know what? And oh, let me let me let me end you with this. Um, I tell these people this. At Jerome's funeral, I'm sitting there with my wife now. She was my girlfriend. Chris Carter's in tears. Reggie's here. All of you guys are here, and all of his Kane's brothers are here. My wife's got Cortez Kennedy and Russell, Maryland. I'm sitting here. We're all crying. We're sitting here. All of a sudden, they start singing. I'm like, holy cow, because I'm a Catholic kid. I'd never seen any shit like that before. I'm going, this is awesome. Mr. Brown came up. I'll never forget this, Keith. We carried his casket to his resting place. We took our ties off and we put him in there. Yeah. And I just felt like the Canes and the Eagle guys were brothers for life after that because I don't know oh, if yeah. you remember, we took our ties off. I remember that absolutely. And we we, we put him in there with him and we walked away and I said, Man, these guys, man, are just as much they he loved these guys. Look at the way these guys are acting. And I always felt a tie to you guys because he had such an affection with you guys and how much he loved that city and how much he loved playing with you, Keith Jackson. Keith Jackson and him, funny me and him got into a fist fight when we played OU Miami, and now you guys, like you're saying, we're all teammates and stuff like that and part of the brotherhood. Keith, I appreciate us doing this, man. Yeah, Thank we, you.
7: We, we don't have enough time because I can tell you Jerome Brown's stories forever. When Jerome came to Philadelphia – you're my next door neighbor. What do you mean? I I'm, you're, I, I'm, I was last year's number one. You're this year's number one. I got you. So he he, I said you're moving next door to me. So we were next door neighbors in Cherry
3: Hill, New Jersey. That's He's crazy, like, man. That's the kind of like, bro. I got you. We're gonna we got to catch up here. <laughs> we're, up, we're up against it, Keith. Thank you so yep. much, brother. Have a great camp. weekend. You too, man. That is the great Keith Jackson, there, man. Hit the like button, guys. I appreciate you guys coming aboard. Don't forget Morgan and Morgan, where the fee is free. That means this, attorneys, right? Picking one is one of the most important things that you can possibly do. If you're injured on the job or you're hurt on the job, finding that attorney is one of the most important things you can do. For the people, it's not a slogan. It's who they are. It is what they do. And for the past 30 years, Morgan & Morgan has collected $13 billion for their clients. With over 800 attorneys and offices in Philadelphia, Florida, New York, and across the country, size matters. That's why Morgan & Morgan will not be intimidated by anybody when they go for fair compensation. The call is free, 800-512-1600. That's 800-512-1600. The consultation is free, 800-512-1600. Guys, I appreciate the way everybody came aboard here today. I can't wait to talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Please hit the like button. We will catch you then. Three to six on Monday. We'll See you on the flip side.
4: After a car crash, the big insurance companies you see advertising on TV, they may try to downplay your case and might say it's only a fender bender or it's just a herniated disc. I worry that some law firms fall for this BS not us. We put ourselves in your shoes and ask, what would it be like to be in your pain for the rest of our lives? A million dollars wouldn't be enough for me. There's only one Morgan & Morgan for the people.com.
6: You know how to book flights and hotels.